As health and wellness providers, we know that better patient outcomes require a whole person, multidisciplinary approach that we just can't provide on our own. That's why I've started the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I'll be bringing you interviews with experts, tips, tricks, secrets, resources, systems, and solutions so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And creating your wellness center won't feel like starting over. Welcome back, everyone, to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. Today on the show, we have G. Cody QJ Goldberg. Welcome to the show, Cody. Thank you, Kendall. Thanks for having me today. (laughs) If we could start out by just sharing with our audience who you are, sort of what you're doing now, and how you got to be doing what you're doing. Okay, great. Well, and I want to start by an apology for giving you such a mouthful of a name to introduce there. So from now on, you can just call me Cody, but I do have five names, Garfield, Cody, Quentin, Jeffrey Goldberg. So if you're, the question is, who am I? That is, that is who I am. But yeah, I'm here, I think, because my wife and I co-founded a nonprofit called Harper's Playground, and we're dedicated to creating a more healthy and happy world at one playground at a time, motivated by one very special girl named Harper. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit more about your foundation, kind of what your approach is and what you're working on currently, just a bit more in depth, like what is Harper's Playground? What are you doing? Yeah. Well, Harper's Playground, I like to say Harper's Playground is sort of two things in a way. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization uh, dedicated to creating what we call radically inclusive playgrounds. And I think perhaps of more interest and and of more importance really to me, we are a new design theory for playgrounds that fuses natural elements and natural materials and and, um, natural forms and an unstructured environment like nature is with radically inclusive, which we, we refer to as making sure everybody of every ability level can get everywhere on the space. So play is sort of the baseline most important thing to us as an organization because play is so valuable to human development. And we're dedicated to making sure everyone has access to play, which is where inclusion comes in. Uh, And that's based on having a child with a, a disability and having experienced how exclusionary so many environments can be Um, for people like us. And one of the first experiences we had was in the playground. Um, And then nature is the third element of of our work. Um, I don't know if you know who designed nature, but they did a really good job. And so there's no reason to try and um, (laughs) improve upon what they have done. Um, And it's, it's incumbent upon us as designers to make sure we follow nature and use nature as much as possible. And this all started... 13, well, it really started 17 and plus years ago when Harper was born, when she came into our lives. That set the stage for about four years later. We took a walk in our neighborhood park. Harper was just learning how to use a walker. We had been told she would never walk nor talk in her lifetime um, shortly after her birth. So we definitely received and felt a pretty earth uh, 
shaking experience, welcoming Harper into our family and starting to learn about what it's like to live in this world, either as a person with a disability or, of course, in this case, closely connected to a person with a disability. So at the age of four, the maiden voyage of, of using her walker in our neighborhood park, she became stuck in the wood chips that surround the typical playground structure. And my wife actually uttered the, the phrase, that sucks, um, and we should do something about that. And that launched what has now become a 13-year journey of creating a nonprofit dedicated to changing that model. And as I speak to you today, we have been involved in 19 total projects in those 13 years, often as a consulting group. We've consulted on a project as far away as Tokyo, Japan, and we have four projects currently in development. Well, I should correct myself there. One of those four projects opened, uh, what was that, a week and a half ago on April the 29th. That's Esther Short Park right there in the heart of downtown Vancouver. The other three that we're still working on, two are, are schools in partnership with Vancouver School System. And one, the largest project we've ever undertaken to date is at Marshall Park, which is about a mile okay. from Esther Short Park. Um, yeah. And that's a that's a nearly $4 million behemoth of a beautiful, wonderful headache. <laughs> that is a construction <laughs> project. Well, congratulations on those projects. Um, our listeners know by now I'm in Vancouver, Washington in the U.S. And sounds like you're local here and you know, Esther Short Park is right next to our clinic, downtown Vancouver, and we are all so excited about this new inclusive playground, and it opens up a new opportunity for our therapists working with children and teens in particular, and so we're so grateful for this project and your work on it, and I know my kids in particular are really looking forward to Marshall Park as well. So let's talk about the human development piece a little bit. I believe play is incredibly important. I know it is incredibly important as a therapist and dance movement therapist. And, you know, many of our listeners learn that in school for psychology in particular, right? We go through multiple human development classes. But from your perspective, why is play so important to our human development? Well, thank you. For, for asking that. And thanks for sharing your perspective on our projects. It's always wonderful to hear that um, people are aware of them or excited for them. Yeah, I think when we, when we started this work, I was not a play expert. And I'm actually, I would never call myself a play expert yet. I've just I've been studying it, though, for 13 years and reading everything I can voraciously about it. I feel like play is um, such a wonderfully complex concept really in, in fact what i have learned is that no play expert is willing to define it it's, it's pretty undefinable in a way of what play really entails one of the things that's fascinating about play is that um, most experts would suggest if if an adult is present then children wouldn't consider it play that true play is like so self-directed for children that no adult can be around but i i would say the United Nations finds play so important. They suggest it's the right of, of every single child. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends prescribing play to their practitioners because of its importance to human development. And there are reams and reams of books. I will share my somewhat esoteric but deeply felt reasons why I think play is so important. 
first and foremost, I think if you think about what's going on with play, just foundationally for so many of us, it's it's really where we're learning how to face down, overcome, and enjoy getting past through our fears, right? Something's maybe too high for us or so it's challenging that we learn that facing facing our fears is rewarding and and healthy. And it is truly the vehicle by which we learn about ourselves. What is special about us, you know, whether we really love physical activities or make-believe, future engineers really love to build things with their hands in a playful way. And so when you when you add these things to these two things together, I think what's so beautiful about play is it is the best way for us to not only figure out who we are and what makes us tick, but to overcome the fear of becoming so. So that's my own personal take. I think if anyone's interested beyond that, I mean any anything you write about childhood development will say it's the the vehicle to a healthy body, mind, and spirit is through play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Movement is a big part of that as well. Mm-hmm. And we could go on and I could I could talk for hours about this, but I get really jazzed about this topic. So I'm really happy to be talking to you and that our kids are getting more accessible and, and inclusive opportunities in our own community here. Hey there, this is Katie from Jane. Thanks for letting me drop into your episode today. Jane is an all-in-one practice management software that makes it easy for you to run and grow your business with helpful features like online booking, scheduling, charting, and integrated payments. Here at Jane, we know that time is money. So we've created a better way for you to not just save time, but also get paid with our PCI compliant integrated payment solution called Jane Payments. With Jane Payments, you can request a credit card on file through an intake form or through your online booking payment policy. Jane Payments also makes it easy to collect outstanding balances through payment requests, emails, and texts. And the best part? There are no hidden fees, no surprises, and no contracts. It only takes a few minutes to set up before you're good to start processing payments. Learn how to save time and get paid with Jane at jane.app forward slash payments. Let's talk about inclusion. Why is it important to you? What does it mean to Harper's Playground? And how do you, what scope are you coming from in developing projects from, you know, an inclusive standpoint? Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's a really personal thing for me, right? I mentioned I have a daughter who experiences a disability around the time that we were, um, well, we were about a year into our project. Um, our very our very first project in North Portland, when our neighborhood school uh, told us that Harper was not welcome there, and so we really we experienced early on being excluded, and inclusion being the opposite of exclusion. Uh, pretty much, uh, we started becoming really passionate about it, and just like play, I've been reading everything I can about the subject. Again, I would I love to share in this. I will paraphrase the wonderful author and thinker on healthy communities, Peter Block. He has a book called Community, and he gave uh, the, the most eloquent description of what I think is most important about inclusion, is that, of course, inclusion is important because people who are excluded suffer harm from being excluded. Uh, it is Isolation is damaging to people. It is one of the biggest health indicators is feeling connected to others and being in community and 
so exclusion is, is truly the opposite. But I loved Peter's take on the subject. And so I'll, I'll share by paraphrase his, which is every one of us has a gift to offer the community. And when we allow people to be marginalized and separated and not included, we are losing out on the gift they could otherwise offer us as a community. And I think that's a really compelling reason to become interested in inclusion is not just from the social justice standpoint, which is there and is important, right? But also from the standpoint of all these people that we're allowing to be marginalized and not connected to community, we're missing out on their gifts. So that's that's why I think inclusion is so important. Awesome. I'm curious to, you mentioned earlier about nature, you know, nature is designed beautifully and how it should be. And we don't need to really mess with it much. I'm curious just to learn a little bit more about how you incorporate uh, what's already in nature into your designs for the playgrounds. Yeah. I mean, it's, it definitely begins with site selection and choosing a location that has some readily available nature in it. When you're talking about building a really special playground, like, like we do, and that that's from trees and sometimes rivers, <clears throat> creeks or, or water sources and boulder material. And so we look to choose a site like Marshall Park, especially Marshall Park has a beautiful old growth forest in it already. We're also adding a lot more trees and we're adding a lot of boulders. Boulders are great materials to use in playgrounds. The different rough surfaces offer a lot of important tactile feedback, especially when little ones are exploring the world early on in the first few years of their exploration. Different surface textures are really important. The nerve endings on our you know, hands and feet, and especially feet too, are really important. Bare feet. Children need to run around barefoot because those nerve endings are receiving information that is stimulating our brains. And so it's not just the beauty of nature, but it's the tactile feedback. Um, and then, of course, being in and around trees for the shade they provide and the biofeedback that they have. So especially plant material and trees, especially trees because of their size and their shade. Shade is sometimes one of the most important things you can offer in a public setting, um, especially, you know, in the summer months, at least even here in the Pacific Northwest, it gets hot. It's true. Um, (laughs) And these boulders that I mentioned, and then, while we don't use real grass on our hills, we build these beautiful hills. The real grass would just dissolve and be gone so quickly. So they're covered in astroturf, but it's a very natural form. And altogether, what we're talking about is in an uns- unstructured environment. Children really need unstructured play, meaning not directed by adults and also not connected to a structure, uh, but a more natural environment. Yeah, Absolutely. So this has me curious, you know, a lot of our listeners are healthcare providers and, who are working towards expanding or building, creating wellness centers. And uh, a lot of clients I've worked with have a focus in working with families in their wellness center. And so I'm curious, from your perspective, even as a parent, what would you hope, like, what are some considerations for wellness center owners in, especially if they're creating spaces really for anyone, but let's say for kids, Mm -hmm. what would some of the inclusive considerations be that you would have hoped for as a parent 
you know, or maybe that you've seen around our community? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. I am fascinated by the level of expertise I now have that hasn't really changed in the 13 years I've been doing this work. Um, because it's it is it all begins with thinking about our friends who use wheels to get around. We have to put them first, not put them as a, a secondary consideration. Everything I learned about designing for Harper's Playground, especially, I really learned in the first project because it was my first time helping design anywhere, and I kept asking at every turn, can Harper get there? Can Harper get there? Can Harper get there? Accessibility is everything as far as, I shouldn't say that, it's not everything. It is the most important first layer of inclusive design. If you don't make it accessible for someone who uses wheels, then there's no way it can be considered inclusive ever. It's the first base layer. So if everybody would just think, we're going to put our friends who use wheels to get around first, not make it a secondary reason uh, to do anything, that's that's where it all begins. It's so important. I think the next layer, which is interesting, it dovetails to people who use wheels are usually about at a height of a child. And so you start thinking about putting things at that height so that people in a wheelchair or a little one would have access to something. Don't have everything too high up to, to, to reach because um, unless you really want nobody to get it or, or nobody in a wheelchair or a child to get it, yeah. For whatever reason that would be, but yeah, thinking about accessibility from a height standpoint would be next. Mm-hmm. And then I think after that, the next word beyond accessible is adaptive. And so we think about adaptations. Maybe somebody in a wheelchair can get to a location, but there's a row of chairs and there's no gap for a wheelchair to slide into. To me, that's now thinking about an adaptation. Mm-hmm. And of course, beyond listening to my few words on this podcast, find somebody who is a a user, like a wheelchair user, and ask them to come help you design your practice that it could meet their needs. Um, I think Mm -hmm. involving somebody um, who is directly impacted would be probably the most important thing to do. Absolutely. Cody, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today. It sounds like you have some fundraising efforts going on for Marshall Park? Is that still happening? We're still fundraising. Yes, we have $130,000 remaining to go towards our $3.8 million goal. And the last 130 is always much easier than the first 130. So we're very confident, but we still have bricks and papers available for people to purchase so they can have a customized message within the park on our website. And otherwise, they can reach out to me directly, Cody, at harpersplayground.org. And I'm always happy to customize an offering for somebody who wants to get involved. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here, Cody. Thank you, Kendall. I've had a really good time chatting with you today. Thanks so much for listening to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode please visit our website at wellnesscentercreators.com for more show notes and additional episodes. By the way, I love hearing from listeners. Please send me an email at Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L at wellnesscentercreators.com with your feedback. And if you send me a question, maybe I'll read it on the show. 
anonymously, of course. Thanks so much again for listening and we'll catch you next time on the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. Thank you.